give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you this as Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Pastor Kigundu Nduge is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today he will talk about appreciating and depreciating each other. Brother Steve Rundu will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about choosing our own altars. Brother Nathaniel Nyagol will start us off with a song for you, I am praying. Receiving one, two, for you. 
is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. It is now time for the Family Life segment. Join me as I welcome Pastor Kigundu. Listener, today we welcome you to our marriage series, The Abundant Life, based on John 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, convinced that for us to be happy, to enjoy the fullness of life that Jesus promised, our marriages must be happy. We do this by learning to appreciate one another and avoiding depreciating each other. Dear listener, when you live together day in and day out for some reason, it seems to be a natural progression well, or regression to notice that which you don't appreciate about each other rather than what you do. Somehow the negative grabs our attention to the point where they erase the positives from our minds completely. And this is truly sad because if we looked beyond the blinding negatives, would probably see a lot of positives hidden away deserving our recognition. We are told in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 that love believes all things and hopes all things. That means that we actively look for the good and believe that God will bring out the best in situations we find ourselves in with those we love. And that's especially true in our marriages. Even that which is negative can be redeemed in some way when we are participating with God. Last time we shared from the Love Dare book by Stephen and Alex Kendrick on leading with your heart and will rather than following your feelings which can easily be deceived. Today we want to share another very interesting portion from that book. This is what they say, In the deep and private corridors of your heart, there is a room. It's called the appreciation room. It's where your thoughts go when you encounter positive and encouraging things about your spouse. 
and every so often you enjoy visiting this special place. On the walls are written kind words and phrases describing the good attributes of your spouse. These may include characteristics like honest, intelligent, or phrases like diligent worker, wonderful cook, or beautiful eyes. They are things you have discovered about your husband or wife that have embedded themselves in your memory. When you think about these things, your appreciation for your spouse begins to increase. In fact, the more time you spend meditating on these positive attributes, the more grateful you are for your mate. Most things in the appreciation room were likely written in the initial stages of your relationship. You could summarize them as things you liked or respected about your loved ones. They were true, honorable, and good. And you spent a great deal of time dwelling on them in your room before you are married. But you may have found that you don't visit this special room as often as you once did. That's because there is another competing room nearby. Down another darker corridor of your heart lies the depreciation room. And unfortunately you visit there as well. On its walls are written the things that bother and irritate you about your spouse. These things were placed there out of frustrations, hurt feelings, and the disappointment of unmet expectations. This room is lined with the weaknesses and failures of your husband or wife. Their bad habits, hurtful words, and poor decisions are written in large letters that cover the walls from one end to the other. Now, dear listener, if you stay in this room long enough, you get depressed and start expressing things like, My wife is so selfish, or my husband can be such a jerk, or maybe I think I married the wrong person. Some people write very hateful things in this room, where tell-off statements are rehearsed for the next arguments. Emotional injuries fester here, adding more scathing remarks to the walls. It's where ammunition is kept for the next big fight, and bitterness is allowed to spread like a disease, and people fall out of love here. But know this, spending time in the depreciation room kills marriages. Divorces are plotted in this room, and violent plans are skimmed. The more time you spend in this place, the more your heart devalues your spouse. It begins the moment you walk in the door, and your care for them lessens with every second that ticks by. You may say, but these things are true. Yes, but so are the things in the appreciation room. Everyone fails and has areas that need growth. Everyone has unresolved issues, hurts, and personal baggage. This is a sad aspect of being human. We have all sinned, but we have this unfortunate tendency to downplay our own negative attributes while putting our partner's failures under a negative glass. Let's get down to the real issue here. Love knows about the depreciation room and does not live in denial that it exists. But love chooses not to live there. You must decide to stop running to this room and lingering there after every frustrating event in your relationship. If it does you no good and drains the joy out of your marriage, as the others say, it is important to start thinking differently 
and to let love lead your thoughts and your focus. They have more to say on this subject as well as love dare to point you to action. But we hope that if you can't obtain the book for whatever reason, you will at least prayerfully consider what they have written to this point. We hope you'll ask the Lord to help you to be someone who believes all things and hopes all things. If you have a difficult marriage where your partner does not return your actions of love, ask the Lord to show you how to lead in love and do what he shows you. That doesn't mean that you excuse, enable, or overlook inappropriate behavior. But make sure that whatever you do is motivated by the love that comes from God. Turn from depreciating and begin with intentionality to look for what you can appreciate in your mate that will encourage him or her. Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And Colossians 3 verse 12 to 14 concludes, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Dear listener, I pray that God will give you a strong, full, abundant, robust marriage. We appreciate those who have given us their thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Kenya. You can also email us at awr at Here's a song, The Church Has One Foundation, by Nathaniel Nyagol. Church has one foundation, is Jesus Christ our Lord. She is His new creation by water and the word. From heaven He came and sought her to be His holy bride. Shut of salvation. 
to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Steve. Choosing our own altars. Our key text this day comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, reading from verse 13. And 14. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, and there observe everything I command you. Preach and author Oswald Chambers offers new covenant insight on an Old Testament text we might otherwise pass over. Unusual theme, but this Old Testament ritual which refers to the people of God having too many shrines, has a lesson of penetrating importance for us in the New Testament dispensation. Natural devotion chooses its own altars, its own setting, and the scene of its own martyrdom. It will be very entrancing if a human being could go to a martyrdom in such moods having arranged the spectators and the scenery to suit his own ambition. But this Old Testament passage says that God chooses the place for the offering. This aims at the very root of the whole matter. We do not concentrate our gifts to God. They are not ours to have. We consecrate ourselves to God. That is, we give up the right to ourselves, to Him. All through the prophets, one hears the continual cry that the people have fasted or feasted for their own pleasure. They have been religious because it suited them, but the only devotion which is acceptable to God is a devotion on the part of a regenerate soul, regenerate soul that starts from a full-hearted consecration, which by binding the sacrifice of itself to the altar of God, receives from God the supreme sanctification which identifies it forever with the life of the Lord. The place of this devotion can never be discovered by human intelligence or natural spirituality, but only by the Spirit of God. 
it must be borne in mind that the burnt offering is not the sin offering. The Apostle Paul shows us distinctly the place of the altar and the sacrifice God wants. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Literally, give up your right to yourself. That people find it extremely difficult to get to this place is true, and the reason is not difficult to find. We choose our own altars and say, Yes, we will devote ourselves to the foreign field, or we will give ourselves to slum work, to work in some orphanage or to rescue work. All this commends itself thoroughly to the natural heart of a man, but it is not the place the Lord chooses. The place is discernible only by the Holy Spirit, and the offering is prompted not by devotion to duty or devotion to a doctrine, but by devotion to a divine being. When our Lord talked to the woman of Samaria, he pointed out that both Jews and Samaritans had begun to worship a place instead of God. But he said, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In what ways, dear listener, do you choose your own altar? Can God still use people who are serving somewhere of their own choosing? How can you discern where God is asking you to make your sacrifice? Let us pray all that God our Father will show us how we can serve him best and how we can choose the altar that he seeks us to choose. I want to follow his leading so that I can be used by him to depend on him and to worship him in truth and spirit. Let us pray that we can be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to us in choosing the right sacrifice and the right place to worship God. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we ask you to guide us through your Holy Spirit in choosing the right place to worship you and the right way of worshiping you, Lord. We know that worship is a reaction to stewardship, O Lord. Father, make us good stewards of worship. Lord, we thank you even for the guidance that you've given us, Lord, and we ask you, Father, to continue filling us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Teach us how to worship you, Lord, and give us the humility that and reverence that is needed in worship. Show us the true altar, Lord, and show us the true sacrifice. For you have prayed, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It has been nice having your company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about the show, please send them to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100 Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I have been a presenter, Samuel Mangi.